0: It's time to swing into the golf world of today With Springdale Golf Live on Fox Sports 920 The Jersey Sponsored by TaylorMade and the New Jersey Golf Foundation Now here's
1: your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart Members, friends and players, it's a summer Friday afternoon Welcome to Springdale Golf Live I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun Thank you for tuning in to Fox Sports 920 The Jersey Congrats to Colin Morikawa for winning the first major of 2020, a scintillating 64 on Sunday to capture the crown. In a unique twist of fate, today's guest had an up close view during the PGA Championship week. More on that in a minute, but for now, how about a great beach tune for all of my Jersey Shore fans? It's 3 p.m. on Friday. Y'all know what to do. this week with another member of the team of 20 yes our guest played in the pga championship last week in san francisco then this week he played in the pennsylvania state open at famed oakmont who is this amazing pga professional well he's a renaissance man after all golf isn't the only subject he teaches yes his story is one you won't soon forget alex Knoll, welcome to springdale golf
0: live how's life in the lehigh valley today Uh, Having a great day here Friday. Um, Weather's actually okay. Um, It's been really weird. It was 60 degrees all week in San Fran. It was 105 real feel in Oakmont. It's nice to have high 70s, low 80s, not too much humidity today.
1: Well, you brought it up right there. You played in the 102nd PGA Championship last week. This week, you played in the 104th Pennsylvania State Open at Oakmont. Have you ever had two better back-to-back weeks of golf in your life?
0: Uh, Absolutely not. I think maybe the only thing that can compare is I played Pinehurst and Marion in my amateur days in two big tournaments. But no, this was dream come true. Uh, I can't that doesn't even describe what the last week and a half was just uh, thrilled to kind of survive, not embarrass myself, play some decent golf here back home in PA and just have a blast representing the PGA and the team of 20.
1: Well, you know, a major championship is is certainly something to behold, especially since it was your first one. But yeah, I'd love to mention the fact that you made the cut in the Pennsylvania State Open, finished in the top 40. Great showing there on Oakmont, of course. Um, I'm curious, what was the condition of the golf course like at Oakmont compared to TPC Harding Park? Were they comparable?
0: Um, Not really. Um, Harding Park was lush. They have that marine layer there. The rough, it was really thick in some spots. For some reason – As club pros, when I hit it in the rough, it buried. I couldn't advance it. But Scott Piercy and my group, PGA Tour guy, when he hit it in the rough, it always seemed to stay up on top of the rough, and he could advance it. So I don't know if they have special PGA Tour rough lies versus us club pros, but that's always the way it seemed out there. Um, At Oakmont, it was burned out, dry, in great shape, but just completely different types of grass. The ball would roll. I think I hit a hybrid 322 yards on Tuesday just because it rolled forever. So way different style golf course. And obviously the greens at Oakmont are famed for how big and undulating they are. Harding parks were definitely smaller and a little, I guess, more manageable to read and putt on brought up
1: something cool there that the PGA of America does. They pair you, the team of 20 PGA professionals that make it into the PGA championship with two other PGA tour players. And you got to play with Scott Piercy and Andrew Putnam. Um, what was it like playing with two guys that, that literally make their living out on tour?
0: Andrew Putnam might be the best putter of all time, other than maybe um, Ben Crenshaw. He made everything. He's top 10 in tour and strokes game putting and, it showed he put such a beautiful role on the ball. He was pissed if he didn't make everything inside of 20 feet. Well, I'm just praying to two putt from that distance. So way different mentality watching his game. And then Piercy, he could bomb the ball and he had, he had some four irons from like 250 yards that, that would touch a cloud and land like a pillow on the green. And I look at my caddy, I'm like, we have no chance against these guys. But, um, Now, it was really cool to see that up live in person and watch everyone on the range hit balls. I was between Kepka and Spieth on Wednesday. That's when I got some Golf Channel time. All my friends were texting me screenshots and everything like that. So it was pretty – it was cool to see the different levels. Now, when I start my lessons again back here in Stroudsburg, I can kind of tell the students that really want to develop to that level – um, there's a lot of work need to be put into it to to get to where those guys are.
1: Well, speaking of somebody that put in a lot of work, I heard a rumor from my PGA of America insiders that you had a, a practice round partner who ended up being the eventual champion of the event. You played a practice round with Colin Morikawa. What was that like?
0: It was unreal, and I'll be brutally honest. I would not, if I was a betting man, which maybe I am, I would not have um, put any money on him not because he's t- not 12th in the world, which he is, not because now he he eventually won the tournament, was the course f- um, favored a draw, and he has a 5- to 10-yard cut. And that Tuesday, he was still working out the kinks of where to start his sight lines and everything off the tee. And I, I looked at my caddy, I'm like, ah, maybe I got a chance against this guy. Well, I was a little bit wrong on that one, but that's, uh, that's okay. Um, he was... Incredible to play with. The height he hits his irons is even higher than what I was seeing from most of the other guys. <clears throat> he was grinding, working hard, and obviously that hard work paid off. I think he wanted to impress Steve Stricker, who is also in my group Tuesday, the, to get a, maybe a Ryder Cup spot. I think he solidified that pretty well with his past week's performance.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, Captain Stricker had to be impressed with the way that he uh, held some poise together there on a Sunday afternoon. And if he was in a singles match, he would want to have him have the same level of poise. Now, w- when you're playing practice rounds with these guys or you're on the range next to them, um, are you able to ask them questions? You know, my listeners are probably dying to know what that experience is like and then what you take from it. Um, are, are they good to you guys or they kind of, or do they kind of just go about their business?
0: They're awesome. Now, the way practice rounds work at the PGA is you just walk up to the tee, and whoever's on the tee, you just kind of ask, Hey, can I join? Uh, so Tuesday morning, walk up to the tee, there's Stricker, Colin, and Davis Love, the third on the tee. I see Russell Henley kind of hanging back in the tent on the tee. <clears throat> I looked at my caddy, I'm like, uh, What the hell? Let's ask, right? So I asked I ask the guys, Can I be your fourth? Davis and Colin don't really say anything, and Stricker's like, absolutely, jump along. So I jump in and um, miraculously don't top my tee shot, just hit it in the left rough. I was thrilled with that, and we start moseying down one fairway. And Davis Love starts talking to me like I was his best friend for all 18 holes. It was incredible. He talked about his career, difference between him and Tiger, um, how he prepares for a major in different events. I got to ask Stricker some questions. We talked about Big Ten football. He's Wisconsin, um, Penn State, so we got to talk some good football there. And by the back nine, Colin was talking to me a little because I was actually playing pretty well Tuesday, so I think he didn't at least think I was a chop. So he was starting to talk to me about how he goes about looking at the fairways and where he wants to take his practice chips from. And the cool thing was Stricker left after nine holes and just, oh, well, Adam Scott shows up on the 10th tee and joins us for the back nine. And we got to talk to him a little about how he's been going on in Australia due to COVID and how it, the Masters performance went and just what he tries to do in practice rounds just to get ready. So absolutely incredible. They answer every and all questions. One good question I asked Stricker is I think most AMs and even us club pros, were so ingrained to tell our students, all right, pick one yardage you really like to lay up to on a par five. And I asked Stricker, he's like, well, and his caddy laughed, well, I'm pretty good from every yardage inside of 100, so I'm not too worried about that. I'm like, all right, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, he's one heck of a wedge player. And folks, if you're just tuning in, uh, this wonderful candor that we're getting from last week's major championship is coming from none other than PGA professional Alex Knoll, who competed at TPC Harding Park last week in the 102nd PGA Championship. Now, Alex, any more story? I, I, I mean, th- these are, this is this gold right now. Do you have any more stories you're going to share with your grandkids someday um, from last week? Give me, give me one more good one.
0: No, Thursday morning, we're uh, about... 35 minutes from tee off for the first round and go to the chipping green and I see Phil Mickelson right on the other side of the same pin I'm chipping to. So I looked to my guys in the back I said you better get a picture of me and him in with him in the background. For for posterity's sake. And as I go back down to hit my chip, I'm like, this is really cool. And I blade one right at him and it misses him and his brother's caddy. It literally goes right between him like a field goal. And Phil looks up. He's like, thank God I just moved. I'm like, you got to watch it around here. He says, stay safe out there. I said, no, you're the one that's got to kind of watch yourself. And my caddy yells over to him. and says, that's my guy using the Phil Mickelson grind on the Callaway wedge. And, and Phil spins back around. And he's like, no way. Don't tell me that stuff. So we had a little chat after that. He actually came over again to us on the putting green and was talking about how he puts more weight on his side and Tiger does not and how guys are chipping differently. And he's like, well, if you don't put more weight on your, on your left side, well, you kind of know what happens. <laughs> We're all laughing about that. So that was really, really cool.
1: That's unreal. I mean, you know, obviously you're a lifelong golfer. I mean, you played in four USGA championships before the age of 20 or so. I mean, you're an unbelievable junior golfer to the, and, you know, you were around the same age. So to grow up, you know, and watch Phil Mickelson and then to be chipping next to him and have some playful banter with the guy who, you know, has a black belt and a lip wedge. I mean, what more could you ask for from that experience? Now, I'm curious because you had to take some positives and some learn, some, moments where you've learned different things out of last week, were you able to put them into use even this week out at Oakmont in the Pennsylvania state open? Could you just go from one week to the next and some of the maybe kind of bigger picture things that you kind of learned to appreciate from your tournament experience in a major championship. Were you ready to use them this week?
0: Absolutely. One was very quick. I, I got a 64 degree wedge about three weeks before I went out to Harding park thinking, I'm going to be all over the lot. I'm going to be in tough spots around the greens. I'm going to need something. That was probably the best decision I ever made in my career because I needed that at Harding Park, or I shot 77-80. It could have been 90-95 if I didn't have that club. So I was getting up and down from everywhere, and I took that club to Oakmont, and that was perfect over there. I put myself in some tough spots and was able to get up and down. From watching how the tour guys go, they don't – what we see on TV on Sunday are the guys striping it all week long. You don't see the guys barely making the cut or the guys missing the cut or they're actually hitting it kind of like we do, kind of everywhere, offline, not the way you think a tour player does. And they get up and down still 90% of the time to make a, a reasonable quality score. So I I learned a lot by watching Scott and Andrew. If they struggled a little, they still got up and down a lot. And um, I kind of took that mentality into Oakmont and saying, all right, I'm not going to hit everything perfect, but you still got to grind around the greens. And I definitely used that to my advantage to make the cut.
1: That certainly that theme you can translate into your teaching up there at the grand book club. But um, is there anything else that you kind of picked up from the week that you're going to take back to either your golf team or to your students as an instructor?
0: I I was starting to kind of touch on this before I even went out in my own career. I've been playing 25 years, um, trying to be a little more positive, not get angry at stuff. And I think the last four years of my life, I've been doing that. What I really learned out there is these guys kind of plod along until they hit that hot streak and just try to make a lot of pars, and they go with that four birdies through five holes. Now, obviously, I'm not as talented as them to do that at that level, but I had a couple stretches out at Harding Park where I was one under through six holes or even through five holes, kind of that good stretch of golf that makes the round a little bit better, and it keeps you a little more patient, and I used that patience at Oakmont because I needed to where you could get in trouble every hole out on such difficult golf course that that course has held all those U.S. Opens and big tournaments. So staying patient, waiting for that time that you're really going to get that hot streak and then go as hot as you can when you're playing well.
1: Anything real quick that you noticed about their practice methods that you picked up that you said, man, that's a really great idea. I'm so glad I saw that. I'm going to use that going forward in my playing career.
0: They use a lot of alignment aids like they really take, Time in their pre shot routine and setup. And I take none of that time when I hit balls. So I know I'm going to spend a little more time making sure I'm lined up properly, not just go whacking balls like a machine gun out there in the driving range. They take their time. They set themselves. They're always working on something and not just kind of going through the motions that most of us AMs and club pros do when we warm up. It's just like, let's get this range bucket done and get out there. They they definitely take a lot more time in the practice area folks, you really got
1: to pay attention to that one. And I'll give you a quick anecdotal story about that. From 1998 to 2003, Alex, I, I was an apprentice, an assistant professional down at Isleworth Country Club in Windermere, Florida. And there was this gentleman there by the name of Tiger Woods. And I got to see him practice away from the limelight, away from the golf channel and away from you know the range at the US Open. And he would lay a club down all the time. And I finally got the courage up in my first season there to go talk to him. And I said, I said, Tiger, I said, why do you you need to lay a club down? And he said, Keith, and and he would always do this. He would always give you a one-line answer to everything. He said, I don't ever want to hit a good shot that's not at my target.
0: Absolutely. I I say Uh, it to all my students all the time. They'll hit a shot 30 yards right. I'm like, what do you think about it? They're like, well, it missed right. I said, is the best shot of your life. You aim 30 yards right. It's
1: funny, you know, I learned that lesson 25 years ago. You saw it in practice again last week. I I think that those guys are all very, very good for a reason. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. You know. All right, hey Alex. Uh, these this stuff is gold. It's so good right now. Um, but I do have to take a quick break for my sponsors and let them do their thing. So could you hold on for just a couple more minutes? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, we'll be back in just a second, folks. It's three sixteen p.m. here in Princeton. Thanks for listening to Fox Sports nine twenty in the Jersey. Be back in a moment with more stories from PGA professional Alex Knoll. Snipes of South Carolina <laughs> The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the NJPA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming under the guidance of PGA professionals so individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. To support the NJGF or learn more about programming, and special events, visit njgolffoundation.org. That's njgolffoundation.org. Springdale Golf Club is proudly celebrating 125 years of rich history in the heart of Princeton, New Jersey. With our walkable and superbly conditioned William Flynn designed course, Springdale beautifully makes its mark as the best golf and social experience in our region. Combined with Troon Prevee, the private club operating division of Troon Golf Management, Springdale is further elevating our commitment to our members. Just last year, our members seasoned their game teeing off on Troon managed courses in Texas, Arizona, and even as far as Hawaii and the UK. The benefits of being part of the Springdale family extends far beyond the fairways. For more information about our club and all the incredible moments happening at Springdale Golf Club and through Troon Purvey, please take a visit of our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash Troon
0: Let's get back on course. As Springdale Golf Live continues on Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Once again, Keith Stewart.
1: Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the Director of Fun. You're listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. After getting to know our guest a little in the opening segment, I asked Wade to set us up with some good old Southern rock and roll for after the break. It's Friday afternoon on The Pro Show. Turn it up. The weekend is here. is a great driver of the golf ball he just bombed one off the 10th tee as he and i are about to start on the back nine of this week's show you know in the opening i alluded to you having more than one simple role in the golf industry alex for the benefit of my listeners please share with all of us what a day in the life of mr noel pga professional is like
0: Well, I'm also a high school math teacher in Palmerton, PA, so uh, a spring or fall day is is very busy, especially the fall when I'm also the high school golf coach. So we could be 7.15 a.m. school start, teach my math classes, algebra and calculus, then leave early for a golf practice or a golf match, um, that can take almost to the evening. If it's just a golf practice, I'll leave golf practice to head up to Glenbrook to give a couple lessons in the evening or help out up there. So it can be a very hectic uh, fall season, especially and, and during the spring. In the summertime, I can just focus more at Glenbrook. But it's uh, it keeps myself busy, which keeps me out of trouble most of the time.
1: Well, you know what, as a great golf goodwill ambassador, right, you you have your own kind of built in gallery or spectators, right? Well, what was their reaction to everything that's been going on the last two weeks, especially last week at the PGA Championship? Let's start first with the faculty at Palmerton or your high school students or, you know, your golf team. What was their reaction in support of your endeavor out to San Francisco?
0: It was incredible. I got so many texts and calls. I mean, each day when I turned my phone back on, I think I was ready to break um, by the overload of stuff people were sending out to me. I'd have to spend a good hour each day after the round here, do quick calls or texts or whatever. the, The students really enjoyed it. They got to follow me. Um, It was funny because they were following my shot tracker for two days, and I said, well, the only shot you didn't see was a straight one. So they got to see me kind of going all over the place. But uh, it was pretty cool just to have people reach out, especially Thursday. I got on the ESPN Plus telecast, getting up and down in 18 with Scott Van Pelt and David Duvall um, announcing my shot and talking about me for a minute. So a lot of screenshots of that. Yeah. overwhelming support, just saying, we're proud of you. You're doing a great job out there. And a ton more people. um, When I was on the Dan Patrick show Friday, uh, Friday morning of that week, that was really, really cool too. Not as cool as this, but it was pretty cool.
1: Well, I I appreciate you saying that, you know, obviously uh, Dan and I are very close. You know, we go back and forth a lot about, you know, our guests and, you know, sometimes we share guests and it's so happy that, you know, you took the time to spend a little bit of, time with him, you know, but then of course, you know, getting well, back well, to Fox sports. You're giving,
0: me, you're giving me a lot more time here. So obviously I know where my bread's buttered. So <laughs> well,
1: I, I appreciate that. Well, you know what? Speak of your speaking of your bread getting buttered. All right. And folks, you know, <laughs> I'm just getting killed with these uh, tongue twisters today. All right. Well, this is live radio and it is what it is. So folks, we are with none other than Alex Knoll, math teacher, golf coach, and also, PGA professional and instructor at the Glenbrook Club up in the Lehigh Valley. And he competed in the PGA Championship last week. And as well, he's played in the Pennsylvania State Open this week, and we're being joined by him today. I'm so lucky to have him. Now, you've had a successful playing career, and folks that have had the type of 25-year career that you have had, they've had role models and mentors along the way. We all have these pivot moments where we have to make a choice, where all of a sudden we, we bump into someone or we come into contact with someone that helps us along our path. Is there anyone that you can think of that as, has helped you get to this point Right, that you want to mention today?
0: I have to mention a couple first. Uh, my parents, especially my dad, I'm an only child. They devoted, they have still devoted their entire life to helping me succeed. So this week, um, this past week was kind of in that crowning achievement to kind of say thank you to them that they got me here. My dad's a, a really good golfer in his own right. So he kind of got me on that path. And I would say in 2005, I worked with Paul Viola out of Bethlehem Golf Club. He's one of my good friends still. And He kind of took me to the next level, the stuff we worked on that year, and that I'm thankful for him that whatever we worked on together really clicked, and that was kind of one of the best summers of my life and kind of pushed me into this um, different path of my career. You know, having an
1: opportunity like you did last week is going to thrust you into a role of being a role model or a mentor to somebody else. What's a life lesson that you've taken out of these last two weeks that you'd like to pass along to my listeners?
0: Keep trying. Never give up. Um, I know it sounds cliche, but you you never know what's going to fall in your lap. Uh, last year at the PGA Club Pro down in Belfair, I was in the top twenty with about four holes to go. Made a couple mistakes and ended missing the PGA Championship last year by just two shots. Um, and then I had a really good fall, and unknowingly that fall and that event, even though I didn't make it, culminated in me qualifying through a points less for this event this year. So it just kind of worked in my favor that it was kind of like a redemption or a second chance to get in this PGA championship. So you never know when these opportunities are going to come and pass. Um, And just kind of keep working at it. Don't lose faith in yourself. And uh, good things can happen in life. I know there's a lot of bad right now, but this one was a really good one for me.
1: Well, you know what? That's a great positive message. And I believe that the PGA of America does a lot of um, positive messaging with all that they do with the team of 20 when you guys are out there. Now, you have this bond with these 19 other men that you went and you played in the PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park. What kind of fun things did they have you guys do together? Did you meet some friends out there? Do you have any good stories about being part of the team of 20?
0: Absolutely. Actually, uh, a guy named Sean Warren, who's from Maine. I played a lot of college golf and early mini tour golf. I haven't seen him since then. So it's been 13 years. Walked right up to the range. I was like, hey, Sean, um, and he already knew who I was. He's like, hey, Alex, how's it going? It's kind of like old times. Wednesday morning, I got to play with Rod Perry for a nine-hole practice run. We were in front of JT and Jordan Spieth and behind Xander Shoffley and Bubba Watson. So that was cool. He's played about five or six of them, so I got his perspective. And Wednesday morning, we took the team at 20 photo. It was probably about 48 degrees. I'm the only one in just a nice t- sh- uh, short sleeve shirt and pants, and they're all mocking me. I'm like, this is great weather for a guy a little overweight. This is perfect. Not sweating a lot. And it was just perfect weather for me.
1: Well, you know what? You've been a perfect guest today, Alex, and I can't thank you enough. But before I let you go, and folks, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Alex Knoll. And I heard a rumor from some Davidson alumni that back in the day
0: that you once beat Steph Curry at a game of horse. Is there any truth to that rumor? (laughs) That's completely false. Our only connection was we took a a Calc 2 class my senior year when he was a freshman. That's as close as I got to him on any sort of horse or anything like that.
1: All right. Well, you know, I'll have to check my sources over here at Fox Sports. You know, sometimes they, they like to have a little fun, as I am the director of fun. And be, being that that's the case, before I let you go, my listeners love a little rapid fire Q&A to get to know my guests just a little bit more. So you up for this, Alex? Um, I guess so. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> All right. We'll start easy. Favorite hobby outside of golf?
0: Um, Probably having a beer, watching a, a sporting event.
1: Biggest pet peeve in the classroom?
0: <laughs> Student falling asleep. Most interesting item you carry in your golf bag? That's an easy one. A pine cone for my daughter, Madison. She's four and a half. We collect them. And uh, she said, Dad, Dad, I want you to have one in your golf bag. So I've kept it in the bag ever since.
1: Uh, that's that's awesome. I love that. All right. If you could add one person to Mount Rushmore, who would it be? <laughs> um, Jack Nicholas. When you've had an adult beverage, is it colored or clear?
0: Usually a Blue Moon or a Sam Adams somewhere else guy, so a little colored.
1: When you hear the words major championship, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Masters. If you could be an actor in any movie, who would you be? Ooh. Harrison Ford. In which movie? Um, The Patriot or The Fugitive. Oh, The Fugitive. All right. We got a hard target search. Right. <laughs> Do you have any pets? No. Well, one more for you. Describe your experience last week at the PGA Championship in one word. Incredible. It's been pretty incredible getting to know you, Alex Knoll. I mean, your stories, your personality is infectious. I hope the PGA of America and golf world in general embraces you and promotes you to the to the nth degree. I mean, I, I would just love more of hearing from you Keep playing really, really good so you get on that stage because you are refreshing for golf. I love having you here on the show. Thanks for being
0: a part of Springdale Golf Live. Thank you so much. You can have me anytime. I'll come up and just talk any stories you want. It was awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Well, you know what? We might just take you up on that. You know, those winter months, they get a little cold (laughs) and you could definitely warm up the mic. Take care now. Thanks. Take care. Well, in a word, Wade, that was awesome. Man, what a great interview with Alex Knoll, PGA professional. And, folks, before I have to send you over there to my friend at Fox Sports here, Doug Gottlieb, let's just take a moment and thank our sponsors. And, of course, this week, after the 102nd PGA Championship and champion Colin Morikawa, a TaylorMade staffer, let's thank TaylorMade Golf for all they do to support Springdale Golf Live. Of course, the New Jersey Golf Foundation. How about b Fairway & Green, Zero Restriction, EP New York, and Summit Golf Brands, of course, FH Wadsworth. My man, Wade Weezer on the board. Have a great weekend, bud. Springdale Board of Governors, appreciate all you do to support us here. True Golf Management for all you do for the club. And most importantly, my listeners. Hope you enjoyed this week. It surely was a treat with Alex Knoll. Well, folks, I'm heading to Springdale. But where are you headed? Well, let the tower be your guide. And from New York to Philadelphia. And of course, everywhere online. May you all have a Springdale Day.
0: This has been Springdale Golf Live with Keith Stewart. Keith returns to the tee next Friday afternoon at 3. Right here on Fox Sports 920 The Jersey.